Microphone check one two. What is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. My name is Rohan Patra. I am the rap music plug at your service. This is your one stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. This is the QLC TV podcast. Are you a rap music fan? Are you someone who loves the feeling of discovering new music, but find it hard to navigate through the thousands and thousands of new albums that get released every single day? If any of this applies to you, this show is exactly what you need in your life. My absolute passion is music. So I gladly do the dirty work of virtual crate digging, searching for the next great album so that you don't have to. I am into all kinds of music, bringing you fresh album and song reviews and inspired commentary on all that the mainstream and underground rap scene have to offer. I live for this. Nothing makes me feel better than expressing my thoughts and feelings about music. But I've still got more on my mind than just music, so although the focus of the show is certainly rap, I will occasionally cover hot-button political issues from time to time. So that's enough compulsory podcast introduction. Let's get to the show. What is up, family? It is November 21st, 2020, and I am feeling a much-needed sense of excitement as I record this 20th episode of QLC TV. Uh, It's been a really tough week for me personally, so this is making me feel incredibly grateful to have the opportunity to share this time with you and to speak about what makes a great duo in hip-hop. As we tackle today's lead topic, Fly Saifus, a rap album by Pink Saifu and Fly Anakin. Followed by this, we will then transition to talking about trap music and why it may be so hated as a genre by large swaths of people and talk about what could make and what does make trap music such an interesting genre and how 2 Chains as a rapper fits into all this as we discuss his latest album, So Help Me God. So what makes a duo in rap music great? What makes a duo flourish as better than the sum of its parts? Well, one possibility to consider is the following. Is it being stylistically similar like East Coast Legends Mob Deep were, where Prodigy and Havoc both possessed a blunt and menacing energy? Or is it being stylistically different in a complementary fashion like Around the Jewels, where LP's complex and oftentimes wordy flows contrasted with Killer Mike's brash and larger-than-life delivery? Or like an outcast where Big Boy's trademark off-rhythm flow and more grounded subject matter mixed with Andre 3000's effortlessly buttery smooth flow and sometimes mystical subject matter. The answer to what makes a rap duo great understandably varies, but the key commonality with all of these great rap duos I just mentioned are that they shared a common set of values and principles in what they stood for. While distinctly different people, they existed on the same wavelength mentally. 
Mob Deep's Prodigy and Havoc both embodied the cold realities of Queensbridge, New York street life and the harsh lessons that they learned from it. Run the Jewels LP and Killer Mike both possessed a strong discontentment with the prevailing powers that be. An outcast duo bled the southern United States in everything that they did and said, with a shared appetite to stand out amongst the crowd. And finally, with the duo of Pink Saifu and Fly Anakin that have brought us together today, they too possess a shared worldview on being comfortable in your own skin, being independent, combating racism, and today's current exploitative society. And it is this chemistry that really is at the core of what makes this album so special. It's the symbiotic relationship between these two that really makes Fly Saifu's pop. So let's first talk about who these guys are. Pink Saifu exists as the more broadly known member of this duo, where he released a slew of projects in the latter half of this past decade under the production moniker IIYE, I don't know if I'm saying that incorrectly, and the vocalist name of Pink Saifu. Most notably, he achieved a lot of critical acclaim with his jazzy and experimental lo-fi experience uh, in this Ensley album that he released in 2018. Since then, he's been making a name for himself continuously with great production and interesting features that he's had. Uh, most notably, I remember him producing and featuring on the latest Arm & Hammer album, Shrines, which I thought he did a great job on. Fly Anakin, on the other hand, is the lesser known uh, member of this duo, but by no means less prolific, having developed a strong underground following as one of the founding members of the Mutant Academy Collective, boasting some pretty big features with the likes of Freddie Gibbs and Blue, with some strong projects in his catalog over this last decade, uh, particularly uh, the album At the End of the Day from earlier this year that showcases a lot of what makes Fly Anakin so impressive. This pairing has actually been putting together this album for the last four years, carefully grooming it and waiting for the right time to release it. And lucky for us, they decided that that time is right now. They knew from the jump that they had something special as a duo. Whereas Pink's uh, work sometimes has been a little too formless and wavy for my liking, I feel like on this album Fly Saifu's, Fly Anakin's sharp and more direct lyrical presence acts as a nice foil to Pink style with a much sharper and more direct lyrical presence and steady energy that I feel really grounds this album in a necessary way. And simultaneously, Fly Anakin's style I think is made more colorful and shines more in contrast with this abstract and hazy style that Pink puts on display. When Fly comes in after Pink on one of these tracks, it's to great effect where Pink sort of like hypnotizes you and just gets you in your head in this trance-like state. And then Fly comes in and just punches you in your unsuspecting face with razor-sharp effortless flows 
and really great voice that is just super distinct in general. A perfect illustration of these contrasting styles working so well is on the track Slow, where Pink drops many introspective kind of abstract lines, and then Fly comes in and spits some reflective bars as well, but with such a different style and such a different pacing that it makes both their verses stand out even more because they existed in combination. Fly also drops some, some great lines where he says, don't count on another man to get you popping. If you can't get it on your own, then you need different options. This line on one hand shows him and Pink's pride in being independent and believing in oneself, uh, going back to that whole existing on the same wavelength point that I made earlier about this duo. But also this line shows Fly's really unique ability to pen clever turns of phrases that reminds me a lot of Rock Marciano. Uh, Rock Marciano, I, I've mentioned him many times on this show at this point. He's one of my favorite lyricists ever. And they both, Rock and Fly, display this innate ability to say something very understandable and potentially very mundane and typical, but in a way that others haven't said it in the past. And by, by no means is this line that I mentioned blowing my mind or anything, but it's this accumulation of these subtle nuances in the way that a rapper says something that can differentiate them from the pack and adds a lot of character to their rhymes that just really draw me in. In my opinion, this isn't an album where the listener should be comparing which rapper washed the other on a track. Their styles exist on their own two feet, where Fly and Pink are being their unique selves and come off like they're just talking to the listener while chilling and smoking a blunt in this record shop known as Fly Saifus. And that now leads us to the kind of loose concept around this album and, and the subject matter of this album as well. The album follows this loose concept of Fly Saifus, which is a record shop that presumably Fly Anakin and, and Pink Saifu run, and you see reference to it in the various skits that are all absolutely fantastic, with a couple interludes sprinkled in two, with this beautiful singing by Fousey or Fousey on the creme interlude. It's not common that the skits are so much a plus on a rap album, which traditionally speaking tend to be annoying or even raunchy. Like if anybody remembers those 90s rap skits, like on a Biggie album, for example, where it just sounds like sex the whole time. There's none of that. There's actually really funny skits that are people like calling into this record shop, being pissed off their orders not being uh, dealt with. Just really funny. Some some just hilarious moments uh, that add a nice nice cohesion and flow to the album and actually add to my enjoyment quite a bit. But as it relates to the, the subject matter, this album certainly touches on important topics, such as black empowerment, poverty, their upbringing, and racism as well. And it, it touches on all of these topics with such a casual wisdom that it makes it so easy to just soak in their thoughts on the world, on music, 
because it comes off so authentic and not self-serving in the slightest. This sort of effortless nature of this album is aided tremendously by the intimate sound of this record as well. And as an album, the four years of care this album received is absolutely made clear in just how well the vocals, the subject matter, mix in with the instrumentation in these beats. Because right off the bat, I almost feel dumb saying this because if you've heard this album, it's just so painfully obvious. But man, this album is smooth as fuck. The atmosphere these instrumentals give off is just so serene, so peaceful and calming. It's as if these instrumentals just flow in and out like water. There are absolutely buttery smooth jazzy instrumentals throughout uh, with some beautifully warm lo-fi mixing and textures that make it again feel very personal intimate like you're literally in this record shop hearing them spin it on vinyl over the store speakers i'll say that it is a great sign when a madlib produced track which is times up on this album while dope doesn't sound worlds better than the rest of these beats. When I first heard it, I didn't even notice the Madlib beat, which is telling you a lot because it's Madlib. Like, come on. Uh, the quality of all of these beats are just simply A1. And I find the vignette and short track style here makes this 46 minutes incredibly varied and acts as a great and necessary uh, grounding counterweight for the very mellow and wavy affair that we have on this album. At 46 minutes and 22 tracks, a lot of these songs are, are well under two minutes a lot of the times. Uh, but, but that being said, because of how much variety there is and how tight all of these songs are created, this is like engaging mood music, which sounds like a bit of a contradiction, but it's accurate here. This album often foregoes hooks and instead chooses to get in and out with extreme precision. Even on tracks like Rick James that are about a minute and a half long only, they successfully trimmed all the fat here, making this song and all the rest of the songs here feel just as substantive as a three minute song. Because all of these songs are jam packed with bars and musical ear candy throughout. Fly Saifu's is so remarkably smooth that there is honestly very few highs because the album has no holes, dips, or valleys to begin with. That being said, probably my favorite moments on this album are found on Mine Right with that gorgeous sample that many of us who listen to rap have heard in other songs, but I think it's flipped super tastefully here and man they just kill that song schlow is so introspective and calm and and peaceful of a track it just really comes off beautifully the instrumental and just the rapid flow and energy on rick james is just magnificent richard pryor had this gorgeous sample that i just kept singing to myself time and time again when the song came on the way they wrote over that was great too and then there's the final track, Dollar in a Dream, where, in my opinion, Pink Saifu really shines here with such an impeccable flow. 
such intricate lyricism too there's so many nice quotables this is probably his best moment on the entire album and it's just a really great way to end the project all over this really classy head nodder of a beat uh, provided by Animos. There really is no flaws with this album. Literally all I can say is that not every song on this album is amazing. Like some are just good. That's it. That's the tweet. I'm sorry I hate that. I hate that meme that's that's on the internet but I just felt like saying it whatever. I feel like overall they absolutely achieved exactly what they set out to do with Fly Saifus. This album just feels so wholesome. Like you're in a smoky record shop, listening to two guys with great taste in music talk to you about some shit on their mind. So if you can't tell by now, I really love this album. I would recommend this to anybody who's into jazzier hip-hop who are already plugged into the underground scene. This is that kind of style of music at its finest. And I give this album a strong 8.5 out of 10. Which means this is an instant add to cue, instant play next, instant cop. Doesn't matter if you haven't heard these guys before. Anything above an 8 on this show means you gotta check this out right now. You will not be sorry. Cannot recommend this enough. This is a really nice relaxing listen, but still gives you a lot of substance as well. And I love it so much, I got it uh, coming in as a vinyl, double LP, orange, colored vinyl. Can't wait to spin this. And I even got the really dope, like, green work shirt merch they got. All this is to say, you need to check this album out. It is fantastic. So now I'm going to move on to discussing trap music, which is often one of the most overly hated genres in music today. And I do think the volume of bad trap, the sheer amount of bad trap that comes out is definitely very high. But in my opinion, that's more to do with the natural cycle of garbage artists wanting to just make a quick buck using a clearly popular style of music to do so. This has been done with other genres of music. Trap music is absolutely no different. So I don't think there's all this horrible trap music out there because of some inherent problem with this style of music. Because traps, often violent and gutter roots, can lead to some truly explosive stories of harrowing brushes with death, for example, that can be very intriguing. Uh, it can lead to some unique commentary on the life uh, in these communities. And it can lead to some captivating come-up stories that can lead to understandably over-the-top displays of luxury and success. The latter is the lane where I think Chains mostly has found himself in, where he has developed a unique persona of being a fun, charismatic, funny dude that makes trap music. 2 Chains' first appearance in the rap game came in the 2000s, where he was a member of Play a Circle under the name Titty Boy, which was a moderately successful southern rap group that got him some, some fame, some shine. However, it was finally in the 2010s where he finally made a name for himself as a solo artist 
under the new name 2 Chains, with commercially successful albums and big name collaborations with the likes of Kanye West and his Good Music crew. For me personally, 2 Chains really started to pique my interest in 2017 with Pretty Girls Love Trap Music, which was part of a really creative rollout with this pop-up pink trap house being uh, built in Atlanta to complement the album. And this wasn't the first time that he, he showed this unique penchant to put a lot of care into how his albums were presented and marketed as he had a cookbook sold alongside his Boats 2 album, which, which was released before Pretty Girls. He even had none other than LeBron James, a and and promo rapper go to league from 2019, which led to one of the funniest meme videos of LeBron dancing in the studio to this hilarious shitty beat being made in the background. If, you've, if you're on the internet at all, you've probably seen this video. But I say all this to compare these past rollouts with the rollout of So Help Me God that we have today which pretty much didn't have a rollout at all. And this really makes me feel like this album was just thrown out into the ether for no rhyme or reason. My main problem with 2 Chainz's So Help Me God album is that it's just way too derivative, and 2 Chainz can do much better than this. Chainz has always been a mainstream artist in that mainstream lane of trap music but on pretty girls love trap music which is personally in my opinion by far his best album which came out in 2017 it it brought some humor it brought this over-the-top nature to this trap sound and to the luxury and drug dealing and street life that he's talking about which made it interesting with some very strong songwriting too and some incredible production. And although I wasn't as hot on uh, Rapper Go to the League, which came out in 2019, there was some maturity coming from 2 Chains as a man, and some growth in the lyrics, along with some detours into genuine boom bap like on Threat to Society, which was fantastic, and the experimental Kendrick-assisted banger on that album as well, that, that worked exceptionally. But on So Help Me God, this is just pretty much standard stuff. Where Chains isn't all that funny, or clever with his punchlines, or really differentiating himself at all from his contemporaries. The production as well is also a pretty significant step down from Rapper Go to League, and a monumental step down from the heavily Mike Dean and Buddha blessed uh, production on Pretty Girls were both noticeably absent from this album except for one track that Mike produces. And although there are some bright spots in the beats uh, with the funky kind of old school groove of Can't Go For That and the nice horns on Moneymaker, this album just doesn't seem to serve much of a purpose. It just sounds thrown together recently, which is evidenced by the fly landing on Mike Pence line from the recent vice presidential debate that took place only just a month ago in October on the track Feel Away. And speaking of that track Feel Away, it features Ty Dolla Sign and Kanye West. 
And okay, how are people wanting rap features from Kanye in 2020? I just need someone to answer this question for me. On Feel Away, Kanye did his typical shtick, rapping about his latest vapid free-thinking catchphrase, which includes some business successes and struggles being lazily equated to like slavery or some shit, uh, some uh, and unnecessary vocal inflections that ruin the momentum of his verse, all wrapped up with a completely garbage flow. He hasn't really had a good feature verse, a truly great feature verse, since What Would Meek Do off of 2018's Daytona by Pusha T, where funny enough, he actually commits the majority of these cardinal sins that I just uh, referenced a moment ago, except he did it as part of his tail end, I guess you could say, of his prime that he had been on for the better part of the last decade. Like, obviously, he wasn't in his peak, but he still had that Kanye magic that unfortunately has completely run out. Still, this album is definitely competent, uh, with some somewhat catchy flows for the most part, pretty okay hooks, and definitely decent beats. There's just nothing outstanding, and that's just what I find very disappointing. Because 2 Chainz has made some good music in the past, and he's actually a good rapper. And if you don't believe me, if you just want to box him in as some mumble rapper or some useless trap artist, you're you're just 100% wrong. Listen to his Run the Jewels feature on RTJ4 earlier this year, or Burglar Bars off of Pretty Girls Like Trap Music, or Threat to Society off of the last album, Rapper Go to League. He, he, he can rap, and there's just really no question about it, and it's just unfortunate that we don't get to see a lot of that talent on display. So Help Me God is kind of like a tale of two halves in that the first half is much more club friendly and was definitely the weaker side of this album uh there there definitely is a lot of value in a two chains club song a radio friendly track he's great at that but there isn't really some great hooks great beats great rapping performances funny charismatic flows that make any of these songs stand out at all uh, but there is some glimmers of hope towards the last half of this album where things get a little more introspective, uh, like on songs like Southside Hove and Vampire, uh, where he's talking a little bit more about some of his lessons that he's learned throughout life that, that come off relatively well, or when the beat becomes a bit more interesting and dynamic with this pretty cool beat switch on the track Tony, which I thought went over pretty well. It was clear at the end of this album, Chains put much more of an effort to kind of pack some substance into this album before it finished, especially on the track Waiting For You To Die, but it was just a little too late for that. And his reflections and his introspection lacked the depth to really make an impact to me. So to wrap this up, this album didn't have too much that was really bad or atrocious, but it had pretty much nothing that was genuinely great. And that's disappointing for an artist of 2 Chainz's caliber. I think he can do a lot better than this. I think this is good if I, if I heard it in the club. This is nice club background music. Everything is passable enough to where 
I could be fine with it as I have conversations with others or go dance or whatever in the club. But I have to say that this is a significant step in the wrong direction for 2 Chains, who I thought was really on a good trajectory ever since these last two albums. I thought he showed a lot of promise to really deliver an even better album than those. But this is just clearly not it. And I give it a very mediocre 6 out of 10. So anything in the 6 to 6.5 range. At this point, buyer beware. If you are a big fan of 2 Chains, I say still give this a chance. If you really love Chains, you'll probably still enjoy this much more than I did. But for anybody who's not a big 2 Chains fan, you may very well be disappointed by this record. So check this out at your own risk. So this concludes today's episode of QLC TV. I hope this helped you understand what music to check out or stay away from. And now that I've spoken, it's your turn to make your voice heard. So let's keep in touch. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rovew, R-O-H-V-I-E-W, to connect with me on a personal level, where you'll be able to interact with my thoughts and perspectives on music, surely, but also on politics and sports as well. Stay up to date with all things QLC TV by following us at QLC TV Podcast on Facebook. And lastly, I've started a TikTok. Uh, but don't worry, there will be no dancing, I assure you. Instead, I intend to give you some fun bite-sized micro-album and song reviews, as well as some other miscellaneous perspectives on music as well. You can find all of this information on how to stay connected by clicking the link that's in the episode's notes. So that's all for today. Talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.